Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hype About Reviews, with your two hosts, one man who never has another confession to make, his bread roll, and I'm joined by the man who, of course, loves to perform for more than 40 minutes, it's JT. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's ever long, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, and if you didn't know what bread roll was alluding to there, we're back again for the second week in a row, uh, looking at my choice this week, and what is it, bread roll? Well, your choice indeed. Um, you chose for us Studio 666, which was directed by BJ, good name, McDonnell. It stars the Foo Fighters and also cameos a couple of people, Jenna Ortega, who still looks miserable with sin like everything else. And also John Carpenter sneaks in there at one point as well. It came out on February the 25th, 2022. It runs for 106 minutes and it had a box office of 3 million and it doesn't actually say anything about its budget. So... Who knows? I mean, I can't imagine it was the biggest budget ever made, um, but there we are. No, I looked for the budget, actually. Um, I'm just on IMDb quickly, although it's been really slow, so I'll probably give up on that. Um, I think it might have been on there, but yeah, it probably wasn't huge, was it? I mean, it was mainly the Foo Fighters pissing about, I think. Um, I didn't really know anything about this film until it popped up as a recommended trailer on Netflix, and I thought, well, that looks quite interesting. Not a huge Foo Fighters fan. I don't mind them. As I said last week, I'm not a huge fan, but I don't dislike them. I've seen them live a couple of times at festivals, and I have to say, Dave Grohl is one of those really annoying people in a good way. He's so fucking talented at everything he tries to do, which makes him quite annoying, but he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, um, um, he is fucking talented, isn't he? I don't think there's an instrument alive or ex- in existence um, he can't play, really. He's kind of up there with Prince in that regard, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, I kind of knew about this film. I hadn't seen it. Um, I used to subscribe to a thing called Shudder, um, which is basically a horror movie streaming site. And I think this came out on there at one point, although I didn't watch it on there. And then it just randomly appeared on Netflix. I was like, oh, yeah, I might have to watch that at some point because it's 18 rated randomly. So I thought, oh, maybe it's got to be like quite gory or silly something along those lines. But um, like you, I'm not a massive Foo Fighters fan. I don't mind a couple of their tracks and stuff, but I'd never call myself a fan of them. I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to them, or I've never seen them live either. Uh, no, I just looked on IMDb quickly. Nothing about budget, just about the box office. So God knows how much this cost. But as I said, it was mainly the Foo Fighters messing around. So I don't know how much money they put into it. I mean, there are some some special effects. We'll get into that, I'm sure, as we go through the film. Um Quite sadly as well, Taylor Hawkins obviously passed away on the 25th of March, just a month after this came out, Um, so very shortly after it came out. And apparently he refused to learn any of the lines for the film. He he said, no, I'll just ad-lib all my lines, which, I mean, it does quite a good job, but I guess it is easier when you're playing yourself. Yeah, I I said that to Rach um, last night. I was like, aren't one of the Foo Fighters um, dead now? Because I remember seeing a picture or like some footage, I swear... It's a drummer, isn't it? Is that Taylor Hawkins? Yeah, um, yeah it is, yeah. Yeah, because his son played with them at one point, didn't he? He's also like a drummer and stuff. Yes. I remember seeing him playing with them at one of their live fest- uh, live shows or something. I don't know why that sort of popped into my head, but I'm going to be um really sort of bad with this synopsis because other than Dave Grohl, I don't really know who any of the others are by name. They're just like Foo Fighter Man 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 <laughs> <laughs> I was the same, to be fair, Brad. Well, apart from Taylor Hawkins, I didn't know any of the other names. I sort of tried to to get them. I went through. Um, uh, I didn't have the synopsis in front of me as I was watching it, and um, I did have subtitles on. So, and it's popping up with their names. So I kind of noted their names as it was going on. But I, I am a little bit, apart from Pat, he's the only one who really stuck in my mind. Um, the rest of them, I'm not really sure which ones which. Um, apparently, this was filmed in secret during the pandemic as well. And a, a random fact here. Buck, 
and all derivatives of the word fuck are used 162 times in this film. I did notice there's a hell of a lot of F-bombs. Um, an average of 1.3 per minute, so nearly as many as this podcast, bread roll. Well, indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, that is a lot of swearing. I did notice that as well, because there was something that had to make it 18 rated. Um, but obviously there is quite a bit of gore in there as well. And I was excited because um, the music was going off. And I'm he's not listed here as being part of the music, but it's the way the music works, well, I swear that's got to be John Carpenter's handiwork. And lo and behold, he does pop up in the movie at one point. So I thought, ah, there he is, old good old legend that is old john carpenter so glad to see he's sort of still getting involved in bits and pieces and um you saying there about it being done in the pandemic that kind of makes sense because it's quite an isolated movie just near enough mm. in this house obviously a lot of things that were still being done during the pandemic were kind of contained like that weren't they like remember they were filming episodes of walking dead but the episodes featured like two or three characters because obviously they couldn't all be together randomly so yeah well done yeah um he's saying earlier actually about Jenna Ortega I mean she seems to be in everything these days not a bad thing I really liked Wednesday um, I mean she's only in this for about two minutes and I'm pretty sure she doesn't even have a line in the film does she she just turns up at the end um, he also you said John Carpenter there he did have a hand in some of the, the theme tune I think and everything I mean funnily enough most of the music in this film is the Foo Fighters shock horror but he, he did have a hand in the theme tune and also Lionel Richie makes a cameo and it's quite a funny one he does <laughs> I love that. I've actually been cracking up with fucking Lionel Richie turned out. That's brilliant. But, um, yeah, I always recognise John Carpenter's music. He's just got that certain style, like a lot of these kind of like, um, oh, what are they called? Like, what's the name for them? I can't remember. Composers. There we go. When they mm -hmm. compose music, yeah. like, you always recognise Hans Zimmer or you'll recognise John Williams and stuff. Um, John Carpenter's no different from some of his music and stuff. So, yeah, that was cool. And you mentioned there about Jenna Ortega. I'm not a big fan of her because everything I've seen her and she's shit and she just sits there with a resting bitch face. Um, so I don't know if she can actually act or that's literally just her thing. But she did some of the latest Scream films and they're terrible anyway, but she wasn't particularly good in it. But I haven't seen Wednesday, mainly because I'm an Adams Family fan and I'm worried if I watch it, it's going to annoy me. Yeah, Wednesday was a funny one, just going off on a tangent, because the first couple of episodes, I wasn't sure, because she's very deadpan, and like you say, it's got one expression, and it didn't really change throughout the whole of the season one of Wednesday. Season two is on the way. Um, but it kind of grew on me, and I thought, yeah, she does play this quite well, but I know exactly what you mean. But I will say one thing, fair play to her, she's only 21, and she's doing all right for herself, isn't she? She's been in a lot of things already. Yeah, she is all over the place, isn't she? And um, she's done quite a lot of horror stuff. That's probably why I've seen her so much in things, because I watch a lot of horror. And um, that seems to be a kind of forte, as I said. I just haven't actually seen her do any acting because she just does the same thing. But, hey, at the end of the day, if you can get paid for it, why not? Eh? I mean, Arnie did the same thing for years, and he made a fortune, so well done. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he had a few more expressions. Normally going, blah, pulling stupid faces, <laughs> but he did all right out of it, didn't he? It certainly did. But anyway, back to the task at hand before we go down too many rabbit holes. Uh, let's take a look at the old synopsis and see how this one goes. So as always, we're pulling this one from Wiki and it goes a little something like this. I've got another confession. No, no, that's not it. We've got the actual synopsis. Please, so. <laughs> Amazing. In 1993, Encino, Sky Willow, drummer of the heavy metal band Dream Widow, is crawling along the floor with a broken leg followed closely by band's frontman, Greg Knoll, who is holding a hammer. Sky sees the body of another band member who has just broken his, um, his leg, by, or just been, had his jaw broken by Greg, get me words out. Before Greg drives a hammer through her forehead and repeatedly hits her in the head with it, crushing her skull, Greg then hangs himself from the window. 
In 2019, the Foo Fighters are pressured by the manager Jeremy Schill to overcome their writer's block and record a new album. The group move in, into the mansion, where Grohl becomes fascinated with the hat inspiration. One of their tech helps, Krug, is electrocuted by a wire and the band decide to dedicate that album to him. So that's the opening of this movie. We get the typical kind of horror movie murder, and this is where General Ortega's in there. And I think, yeah, this is the only dialogue she has is when she's screaming for her life. Um, what do you think of this one? You know what? When I, I watched this earlier, I didn't even notice that was General Ortega at the time. Obviously, I said there at the start, she appears at the end again. Um, yeah, I mean, it's quite a gnarly opening, isn't it? She's crawling along, crying, and it's panning around like the band's instruments and everything. And she's got a bone sticking out the top of her leg. I was like, oh, that looks quite, quite nasty. You see that other dead body there with his jaw hanging apart. Then old fucking Greg, whatever his name is, comes up behind her. And you sort of see her from the front, don't you? And this, he's got a hammer and he raises it. And you see like a, a hole appear in her forehead as he's pushed it through her. And then it just cuts to him just battering her. And it sort of flicks away, cuts back. And it's pretty fucking gruesome. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty full on. And I thought the effects in this, I mean, there's some fairly <laughs> sketchy ones, as you'd expect from these sort of movies. But some of the actual kind of gore effects don't look too bad, to be honest. Um like these ones here, like the killing everything, like they obviously used a bit of practical effects for this, and yeah, it looked pretty good. And we always get these kind of opening kills for these horror movie ones. And thankfully, this one was much better than the one we did last week. Fucking what was it called Totally Killer? This was a bit better in that regard. And then we cut to um the Foo Fighters themselves, old Dave Grohl looking like a Spaniel with that fucking haircut of his. Um, and all the crew <laughs> sat around the table with their manager, and obviously they're being told they need to make an album. They're like, oh, it's our 10th album, and I don't actually know how many albums the Foo Fighters have done. They must have done a fair few by now, um, which leads them to this house. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, probably is, well, probably was 10 when they did this. I don't know. Obviously, it ties into to whatever they were doing, I guess. But this is when I first noticed how foul-mouthed, like, I mean, it, it carries on throughout the whole film, as I said there at the start, about 1.5 swear words an hour on a minute, sorry, on average. But fucking shill is effing and blind in every other word. And then Dave Grohl's effing and blinding back to him. It's just non-stop swearing in this opening scene with the foos, isn't there? There is. There's loads of it. I, I don't know if they're friends with Blink-182, but they missed a trick by um, not saying 182 <laughs> times, because isn't that where they got their name from? Because that's how many times Scarface says fuck, isn't it? In, um, obviously, the Scarface movie. So they could have obviously done a little yeah. bit of a link to that. Absolutely. is. I've got a funny story, actually. It's just popped into my head, right? So, Kirsty's mum, right? My girlfriend, Kirsty, for people who listen to this podcast re- uh, regularly. So I was um, I was chatting to her the other day and she was flicking through Netflix. And I said, um, oh, there's this um, film that me and uh, Brad Roll are doing for the podcast in a couple of weeks because I'd already thought about putting this forward. And I was like, watch the trailer. And she stuck it on and old Dave Grohl popped up and she's like, oh, I don't fucking like him. I was like, well, Dave Grohl, why? What's he done to you? And she went, oh, he, isn't he that guy who used to present that fucking decorating show? I was like, no, that's, that's fucking <laughs> Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. She's like, oh, I was like, why would he be making a fucking film? She thought Dave Grohl was Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. If people don't know who he is, Google him. <laughs> I've just popped into my head there. I was in stitches. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I don't even know what that show would be called. I don't know. Like, I don't know the the paint fighters or something like that but oh man Dave Grohl he's, he moonlights as a fucking writer does he it's changing rooms or something wasn't it he used to do Lawrence Ellen yeah. or something like that fucking hell yeah it just popped into my head then yeah it's quite a funny moment oh amazing I reckon he should do that I'd watch it if Dave Grohl was presenting it'd be quite interesting but um yeah you're right they are effing and blinded and everything and then they they go to this house and it's a typical kind of American sort of Hollywood style house I don't know whether this is supposed to be set California somewhere like that maybe but um 
yeah, very nice picturesque house with um, loads of big open windows so every bugger can see in, in typical American style. But I do like when they go in and he's sort of like getting a feel for the place and he's clapping his hands and then it's like that kind of sinister kind of scream and you get those flashes of like the evil faces and stuff and he's like, oh, it sounds really good just here and he keeps clapping his hands and then we see obviously like more flashes of like the sinister stuff. I thought that was pretty stylish. Yeah, and he's setting up his drum and he's tapping it and while he's hitting it and saying, yeah, it sounds good here. No, move it slightly. And old Krug's there setting it up for him. <laughs> Krug doesn't last very long, bless him. We get a few gnarly flashbacks of, of the deaths, as you said there, from the previous band that were in their Dream Widow, whatever they were called. Dave obviously loves the house straight away and says, yeah, we'll take it. The other band members aren't really too taken on the idea, are they, at first? And then Dave hears some guy, like, it, well, it's a slicing sound, isn't it? You're like, okay, what's going on here? Dave goes to investigate, and we see that random guy cutting the hedge. And Dave goes after him, so obviously he's not happy. He doesn't want anything interrupting the recording, I guess. And, you know, he doesn't want any sounds in the background or anyone getting in the way. And the guy just kind of disappears as Dave's sort of going after him, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And um, they seem to take a lot of stuff quite casually in this. I mean, I know they're musicians and not actors, so the acting is a bit shit and janky in this movie, to be fair. Um, but... Obviously, it's passable, and obviously they're playing themselves, which is obviously makes it a bit more fun and everything. But like you said, he goes up there, and he obviously sees this guy with the shears, and he's like right behind him as well. And he goes around the hedge, and the guy just completely vanishes, like proper fucking Paul Daniels, his way out of nowhere. And Dave's just like, oh, that's weird. And then just fucks off back into the house. And I'd be like, hang on a minute. I'd be like looking around a bit more, or, you know, alarm bells would be going off. But I suppose he is under the influence at this point, isn't he? Yeah, like you say, they do shrug things off quite easily. As a bit here, obviously, as the synopsis said, old Krug, poor guy, gets electrocuted, and it's pretty brutal. Getting in at his death, he's fucking burning away. So after he's dead, they're like, "Oh shit! Oh, oh okay. Um, all right, let's just dedicate the uh, the song to Krug." Then it's like you're not overly bothered by what's just happened. They seem quite blasé about it. They do, yeah. No fucking, he's being electrocuted, and the fucking effects look shit. They're like something out of the fucking Ghostbusters movie from back in the day, or like kind of superimposed onto it. But the actual sizzling of his skin in that—that that looks pretty good. And Dave sort of kicks the plug out, and he's like, "Oh my god, he's dead!" Hey, do you want some Jägermeister? Hey, wake up, sort of thing. And it's like, well, you know, I think he's like you say, he's quite casual with it. And it's like, well, Jägermeister tastes like fucking shit. So if he doesn't wake up, we pull that down his throat. He's definitely dead, isn't he? Because that would fucking wake me up. Yeah, it's quite funny though. I mean, this film is very tongue in cheek. Last week's tried to be tongue in cheek and failed. This one does it a little bit more successfully. But obviously, I'll give my thoughts when I do my wrap up at the end. <laughs> so now, Grohl finds a basement containing satanic objects and is possessed by Noel's demonic soul after listening to a demo tape. Under the demon's control, Noel forces the band to continue production of the album. Later, a delivery, na- uh, delivery man named Darren, who had earlier tried to give Grohl a de- demo tape, is decapitated outside the manor by an unknown figure with hedge clippers. The next day, Shifit, uh, uh, I think his name is, is cooking on the grill. The same figure pushes his face onto it. Shifit attempts to escape, but he is, has his head smashed with the grill cover and is stabbed repeatedly in the neck before the figure is revealed to be Grohl. Now, a few things kind of happen here. That sort of covers it. And obviously, yeah, he does go down into the basement and such. And this has got a bit of an Evil Dead vibe to him, finding this random basement under the house. And there's a fucking demonic book. I imagine it was a nod to Evil Dead. But we also get this weird fucking neighbour, don't we? And she's like turning up and obviously saying like she's a big fan of theirs and everything. And then she turns up with lemon cakes with cocaine on them. I'm like, oh, quite like yeah. the lemon cakes. A bit of cocaine, it might get started the right way. 
Yeah, the synopsis doesn't mention her there, does it? Because she plays quite a part in this film. Um, and a lot goes on in that section. It leaves out quite a lot, including meeting Samantha, her name is. Um, so, yeah, she's there. And the first time we see her is quite funny because she starts singing um, to Dave, trying to sort of... She's like, oh, I'm available if you need a, an extra singer or whatever. And she sings a Foo Fighters song. I can't remember which one it is now. It might be The Last of Us or whatever, whatever it's called. I don't think it's even what's called. But anyway, and then... They're like, okay, we'll, we'll be in touch. And she's the way she disappears back behind the hedge is hilarious. She just sort of sneaks down behind the hedge. <laughs> I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but it certainly made me laugh. And then yeah. Dave <laughs> is struggling now, and he's got writer's block, and he's really struggling to write a song. Um, this is before he goes in the basement. And he's he, again, it's a bit of an excuse, isn't it, to just have showcase a couple of Foo Fighters songs. He starts playing riffs, and they're like, yeah, that's one of our songs. You've already written that. And then he plays another one, they're like... Yeah, that's also another one of our songs. You wrote that 20 years ago. And he's like, oh, fucking hell, I've got real writer's block here. And then that's when it cuts to him randomly doing a really good cover, actually, of Hello by Lionel Richie. And that's when he appears. He's like, you write your own fucking songs or something. That's my fucking song. And apparently Lionel Richie actually added the F-bombs into that himself. He's like, yeah, I want, I want to swear in this. I guess cause he's quite um, a clean-cut character. So he, he insisted that he swore in this. Yeah, well, you know you've made it to the top if one Lionel Richie turns up in your movie and two he chooses to swear in it. I mean, that's like got to be like the dream, hasn't it? That's better than an Academy Award, surely. Yeah, and we do get another random scene where Dave's in bed, a massive fucking bed. To be fair, he's led there on his own. <laughs> he gets sort of visited by a flying crew, doesn't he? He appears above him, and then he wakes up, and then he he must fall as well. I don't know if he falls asleep again or whether he woke up in his dream, but he wasn't actually awake because then all these demons start sort of surrounding the bed. Then he wakes up properly and he's in a right fucking stress, as he would be. But then after about two seconds, again, he takes this in his stride. He's just had a pretty gnarly nightmare. He just goes downstairs and orders the food. And that's when the guy turns up the first time. Because we see him twice, don't we, before he gets uh, decapitated. Yeah. And is that the dream where, like, they literally tear him apart? Like, they're, like, pulling all his insides and yeah, stuff out, like, fucking zombies and stuff. It's pretty fucking brutal, isn't it? He's just there, like, going, ah! And like you say, he wakes up and he's like, oh, I'm going to go and order the food. And what's it? He doesn't get enough ranch sauce. And he's, like, probably pissing the moaning about it for most of the movie, isn't he? He's like, delivery man turns up and he's like, I ordered extra ranch. He's like, oh, sorry. He's like, don't worry. I'll just make do with the, like, the marinara or something. He shuts the door on him. Yeah, because the guy's starstruck, isn't he? He's like, you're Dave Grohl. And he's like, yeah, I get that a lot. It's like, well, that's because you are Dave Grohl. And um, he's <laughs> like, oh, I've got, uh, you know, I'm in a band. I've got a demo CD. I'll bring it next time and everything. And Dave's like, oh, yeah, cool. He's not really, he doesn't really want to get involved in it, does he? And this is when he he goes off and into that basement. So he hears a leaky tap. And I don't know if that's what he's looking for. She just gets really pissed off and starts wandering around. And he ends up going down this, like, I don't know, like down the side of the house, I guess, which seems to go on forever. And there's all vines and that, and it starts getting really creepy. And he goes into that basement. And there's a fucking raccoon on the wall, just a skinned raccoon just on the wall, which is quite random. Plays a part at the end, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is weird. And like I say, he's just kind of, I assume he's kind of being possessed at this point slowly because he doesn't seem that particularly phased by anything that's going on. And we also see other bits of like what the other guys are all up to because he's like he's told them they have to move in here and like they'll be there for about a month top so they can finish the album or do whatever. So they begrudgingly moved in and they've all got bedrooms apart from one of them. I don't know who his name is, but he just sleeps on the kitchen counter, doesn't he? Because he's got no bedrooms left. <laughs> That's Pat. He's the one whose sort of name stuck me. Obviously, I knew Taylor, but Pat. Um, I, I liked him as a character in this. I thought he was hilarious. He's got some quite funny scenes. I don't know if he was supposed to be funny in some of them, whether he was just a bit of a shit actor, but I thought he was really good. 
Because Dave's going on like um, saying like how good he is on the grill and everything, and he's like pushing them to make the music, and bit by bit it's coming together. But he's working them hard, and that's when old um, uh, what's his name, a uh, shifty, isn't it, or shiftet or whatever? He's like, oh fuck this, I'm going to take a break, and he heads down to the grill and he's like cooking up some sausages and stuff. And then his death's actually quite gnarly because he keeps looking behind him, thinking someone's there. And then suddenly he gets his face slammed onto the grill, and like all his skin's peeling away as it's cooking, and then he gets like fucking stabbed to death, and turns out to be Dave and a little flat cap. Yeah, it is pretty brutal, that death, isn't it? I mean, they all are in their own way. Some look better than others. We get a random scene as well of Samantha and old Rami, I think his name is Rami, one of the other guys in the band. He's taken a bit of a shine to her, and that comes to fruition towards the end of the film. And again, quite a gnarly scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But when Dave goes down to the basement, obviously he hears some weird shit, I think, and he thinks, oh, what's going on here? He might have even... I don't know if he sees a demon at this point, but he hears some noises, and we see... Those garden shears are in a wheelbarrow in the basement, and he sees this like sort of cloth or like a blanket or something covering some stuff. So he picks it up, and there's all that um, old reel-to-reel tape decks and underneath it, and he just puts one of the reels on there, and miraculously everything works, and it starts playing one of the Dream Widow songs, and that's when Dave completely fucking rocks out, doesn't he? He gets really fucking excited about it. Then the song ends, then it starts playing some demonic words. I can't remember what it says now. And that's when he goes back upstairs and starts properly fucking jamming with the rest of the band, doesn't he? He's like shredding his guitar and going absolutely fucking mental. And they're like, whoa, this is incredible. Again, showcasing old uh, Grohl's talents, I guess. I was going to say, it's clearly just a um, an excuse to show how good of a guitar player he is. Not that we need reminding of that, because he's fucking amazing at everything. But I was thinking, like, although obviously the Foo Fighters themselves did most of the music and stuff, it's not really Foo Fighters music they're playing, is it? It's like quite heavy and... um kind of dirgy and everything that's not the sort of stuff they're kind of known for but i suppose i say and they want obviously something different for their their 10th album and that's a bit when he gets that epiphany he runs around the house waking him up and he goes in and like taylor's like asleep but he's got his laptop over and there's like porn going then he goes in and obviously like pats asleep on the fucking counter and one of them i can't remember his name it's the guy who never takes his sunglasses off who's got a thing for the neighbor and he's just asleep in like a fucking thong that's got a tiger on it and his like chest hair shaved into a heart and i'm like what the fuck is that actually what you're like or are you just playing up to it for the movie i think it's rami or rami in it that one but and dave's like are they my pants or something so like, yeah i just <laughs> borrowed them <laughs> this is quite random yeah so now the band later finds Darren's corpse, but Grohl convinces them not to call the police and takes their phones. After watching Grohl eating Shiffit's remains, the band soon learn of the mansion's backstory and Grohl's possession of, um, with the help of the neighbour, Samantha. To exercise Grohl, they need to find a book needed to free him of the possession. As Samantha and um, Jaffe have sex, they are both killed when Grohl sneaks under the bed and drives a chainsaw through their heads before cutting them in half. Hawkins is pressured by Grohl to finish a song while Mendel and Smear retrieve the book from the basement. Hawkins finishes the song and is partially decapitated by Grohl with a symbol. So again, that kind of moves it along again quite nicely. Obviously, Grohl's going a bit mental at this point and he is just kind of sat there. So at one point, they're at the, around the dinner table and he's cooked dinner, but his meat's still raw and he's like, ooh, it's so juicy. But when he smiles, all the kind of like goo and everything comes out of his mouth and then we see him actually sitting there eating a the whole fucking corpse. Yeah, it's fucking strange, isn't it, when he's just eating that, like, raw meat. But it's, there's some good scenes here, isn't there, in between. I mean, when old um, delivery guy, I can't remember his name, though, did mention it, he gets killed. Darren, isn't it? That's quite yeah. a gnarly scene as well, isn't it? He gets his head fucking cut off by those garden shears. And, like, <laughs> Dave goes out. Well, they all go out, and they're like, where's the food? No, they're like, oh, no, someone says, 
where's the food? It hasn't come yet. And they go out and it's just on the doorstep. So obviously he's been killed. And they're like, oh, he must have just dropped it on the doorstep. So they don't obviously know at that point he's dead. But I think it's Pat who finds his body a little bit later on, isn't it? He's like decapitated, his fucking guts are all hanging out. He's just there up against the tree. Yeah, that bit would open the door, though, and they see like all the delivery and everything. And he's like, yeah, he wanted me to look at the demo tape. And Dave kind of steps out to have a look, and he finds like an extra thing of ranch sauce, doesn't he? He picks it up, and he's like, mmm, extra ranch. And then just comes indoors with his fucking takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then when they do find his body, like, the CD's there. And again, they're not that bothered by it are they dave's like well dave's obviously possessed at this point anyway but he's like um oh yeah he had a demo cd he was going to give me here it is i'll tell you what we can dedicate the album to him and then as all the guys are like, yeah that's a good idea they walk back in the house and dave just chucks the cd back by the fucking dead body he does yeah and again he's like saying no don't call the police because we won't be able to finish the album and stuff and again it's like they're all quite casual about it i know Grohl's obviously their front man and whatnot, but um, even so, <laughs> I'd be fucking calling the police and all kinds. And he's like, yeah, but when, once you've done the album, you can call the police, the FBI, the CSI, the X-Files and all this sort of stuff. But before that, we've got to do that show album first. Yeah, because Dave takes all their phones off them and the van key so they can't escape. And they just hand them over to him. Like you say, I guess he is the main man and everything. So as much as they don't want to do it, they're like, well he's kind of in charge, so let's just crack on with this. Because at one point he says, so then we can get this done, we'll be out by Sunday. I don't know what day it's supposed to be at this point. So I guess they think, we'll do our shit and we'll pack up. Um, but it doesn't quite work out for, like that for him. No, and they obviously, they sense that something's not right. And Jaffe's like, oh, I'll speak to Samantha. And he does this weird, like, bird whistle by the fence, and she just pops up like a whack-a-mole. And she's like, oh, not here, we need to speak by the swimming pool. And she just literally appears over there, and even one of them, I think is bad, is like, how the fuck did you get over there so fast? She just seems to be everywhere in this house. Yeah, there's another scene as well. Again, Dave's possessed, so we might have a bit more strength. But Taylor goes to phone the cops. This is before he takes everyone's phone. And Dave just grabs it off him and just squeezes it, and it just breaks i'm like okay he's even really strong and that's a shit phone yeah but now they obviously get down to the idea that Grohl is possessed and they hear the story about what happened beforehand so now they're trying to obviously unpossess him by finding this book and this bit where it's like jaffy's like oh i'll stay with samantha and you know keep her safe type thing they go off and have a typical kind of like horror movie sex scene there's no nudity or anything but they get on the bed and he's there dancing around with his fucking never takes his sunglasses off got his fucking chest hair shaved into that heart like i mentioned earlier and then there's like a song i think it's just called like summit chainsaw and as the music's kicking into the chainsaw sound dave Grohl's just under the bed smiling to himself with a fucking chainsaw and that he made me laugh it's just so uh, stupid it's brilliant his face is excellent isn't it? and then the chainsaw just comes up you see them sort of on top um from the top view and they're obviously getting it on and the fucking chainsaw comes up straight through their heads it's pretty brutal isn't it and then just slices them in half and the way I know it's, it's not funny, but it's meant to be funny. The, the, the body's just falling too. It's fucking brilliant. I really like that bit. Yeah, I love how he's chainsawing him. They're just staying perfectly still. And it's a, such a clean cut yeah. down the middle, right down his ass crack, isn't it? And they both just kind of break perfectly in half. It's fucking, oh, it's brilliant. And just before that, we actually had the cameo from John Carpenter. He's one of their technicians, isn't he? And he's just like fucking about. Um, and then obviously he goes home with his other guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, yeah. I did notice him obviously because I, I knew he was in anyway. I looked at the cast list before this, um, and I thought, oh, John Carpenter, that's pretty random. Um, yeah, he's there's the sound guy, like you say, and he's like, right, we're off now. But if you need anything else doing, give us a shout. And Dave's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll just do some mixing myself. We do get a scene of him, don't we, where he's mixing away 
And I think Taylor comes in and is like, if you haven't eaten for fucking days, mate, you need to get some food. And I think that's when he does call that on Darren guy and gets the food delivered. So we're sort of going back a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, he's obviously just fucking chainsawed them in half. And the other two are out looking for the um the fucking book. And they do find it, to be fair to him. And I don't know what they're hiding behind, but they spot, obviously, Grohl. And he's putting... um. Jaffy's body into like I don't know like a fucking wood shredder or something like that and it's just like spraying all over the fucking place but I have no idea what they're hiding behind and Grohl kind of like hears them and comes walking along I don't know how he doesn't spot them to begin with because they just kind of like knelt there by his feet and now he's got these weird fucking fangs in his mouth hasn't he, he just looks fucking stupid looks like Teen Wolf yeah, it's funny that bit though like you say he's chucking old um Taylor, uh, not is it Taylor's bits, isn't it? Because at that point he has killed Taylor as well. Taylor, he says that you need to do the drums and everything, and Taylor does a, a drum session. He's like, no, that's not good enough. Do it again. He turns into a bit of a demon, doesn't he, old Dave? His voice goes all done. He's like, do it again. So Taylor fucking records his part, and Dave's like, yeah, that was fucking brilliant, mate. Picks up the cymbal and just fucking lobs at him like a frisbee, and it goes straight into his mouth, chops his head in half. He's up against the wall and the bottom half of his body just slides down again. It's quite brutal. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And I thought the effects were, you know, pretty decent, to be honest, for a movie that, like I say, probably didn't have much for budget in the first place. But, yeah, it's pretty badass. When, um, like you say there, it cuts to obviously then Dave putting bits of Taylor's body in the shredder. It's fucking, they're hiding. Then when Dave sees them, he starts chasing them. It's it's a comedy scene. And I'm sure as Pat's running away, he's like, he's going, Aah! doing these really girly screams but i'm sure i can see like he's actually laughing as he's running away he's trying to like obviously act scared but he's actually fucking laughing yeah yeah i thought that as well it's such a fucking weird scene i suppose i mean they must have had a good time doing this and i mean i don't i've never been in like a proper band or anything i don't know what it's like but i assume they're kind of playing on stereotypes of how band architecture kind of works and everything because they're all literally bowing down to dave Grohl because he's like their their lead singer isn't he like the mover and shaker or yeah, I mean, apparently, according to Wiki or IMDb, this was based on actual record, like a thing that happened when they recorded an album. Obviously, not as brutal as this, but they, um, when they woke up one morning, all their guitars had been detuned, and some weird things were happening in this house they were recording in. Obviously, no one got killed or anything like that, but they sort of thought, let's write a film about this, and obviously, turn it into some kind of like spoof horror film. So. It was based on very, very loosely based on things that they had experienced. Oh, fair, fair play to them. So now Mendel and Smear free Grohl from the possession, and the souls of the Dream Widow band members send the demon to hell. However, Jeremy, the real estate and um, real estate developer Barb Weems, ambush the remaining members, revealing that they planned the whole thing. While Smear is fixing the car from underneath, Mendel is stabbed in the eye, causing him to accidentally hit the gas, which runs over Smear's head and runs over Barb. As Mendel gets out of the car to help Barb, she stabs him through the chin and dies alongside him. Grohl battles Jeremy only to back down in horror when Jeremy tells him of the album's success and the start of his solo career. One year later, Grohl, the only Foo Fighter survivor, prepares to perform a solo concert um, with marks of possession across his eyes. So again, that kind of wraps up the ending pretty quickly, but they do that weird fucking chase scene. And then this thing, I, I don't know, it's just a pretty shit fucking ending but it's funny because they're at the swimming pool and Dave's at one end and they're at the other and they keep trying to chase each other around it and he's like a booga, 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 sort of thing like left and right because they can't fucking run around and in the end um he starts reading the book and the water goes all funny and Dave tries to jump over it because he's got these spirits behind him and then the 
I can't remember what happened. Someone shoots him and he falls into the water and we think he's non-possessed and just loads of weird shit starts going on. Yeah, I think lightning or something comes out of the book as old Nate's reading it and it shoots him into the swimming pool. But the bit where they're trying to fucking hotwire the car, Pat, it's Smear, isn't it? Pat Smear, but I've been calling him Pat the whole film, but he's Pat Smear. He, he goes underneath and he's like, I'm going to do this old school. And I was like, what's he fucking doing? Because they realise that Possessed Dave's got the van key so they, they can't start it normally. So old Nate jumps in the van and Smear's underneath it going, I'll fucking hotwire it. And then they see Barb coming. They're like, quick, fucking hurry up. And eventually, when he finally gets it, as the synopsis said there, he, he reverses over Pat's head, which it looks really rubbery. But again, it, it's quite brutal, but in a sort of really shit way, because it does look really fake. He knocks over Barb. He's like, oh, fuck. He realises what he's done. Fucking smears lead on the floor, like all smashed up. He sees Barb. She's led there. She gets up and stabs him through the chin. And then they both sort of collapse and die. Yeah, and as I says, meantime, obviously Jeremy tells Grohl he can start a um a solo career, to which obviously he agrees. He's still partially possessed, but I've got to be honest, like this whole ending bit just started. I mean, it's not a long film; it's what an hour and forty. You know, but I just thought it's taken a long time to wrap itself up here. It keeps sort of trying to do all these like weird and strange things. But I must say, I wasn't um expecting him to stay possessed, and obviously, like it cuts to one year later, and they're all dead. Um, and then he's just sat in like a kind of a room, isn't he? Like about to do a show and everything, and um his eyes go all kind of fucking weird and crazy and then the movie ends. It does indeed. I mean, that's General Tager pops up again, doesn't she? And she drips the blood on the book, which kind of sorts out old um, Greg, doesn't it? Because he, he turns up and he's all going all funky, but he ends up just exploding after the book gets um, dripped on. And we, the fight between fucking Shill and Dave Grohl is quite funny, because they both kick each other in the bollocks and they're both just sort of <laughs> throwing each other around in there. It's quite a comic fight. It is, yeah. It's almost as good as uh, for anyone who listens to our Breaking Bad podcast, a little kicksy footsie fight that fucking um, Walter and Jesse had the other day on the toilet. I thought it was quite funny. It's similar to that. It is. And like you said there, the whole bit when they're either side of the swimming pool and they're both sort of shuffling around, sort of trying to get each other. It's just, um, it is quite funny. But I know what you mean about the end. It was a little bit dragged out. Um, but it's the same with most of these horror films. You think, oh, it's going to end and then something else happens. Oh, this is going to be the end. Oh, no, something else has happened. They sort of seem to drag out the endings in most of these kind of films. And then, again, I think we've said that the horror films we've done, the actual proper ending normally is a bit of an anti-climax. And you're like, OK, did you run out of ideas? Yeah, it's almost like they could have just ended it like 10 minutes sooner with just sort of like an actual kind of build-up proper ending. But I suppose that's just the genre. But yeah, you're right. General Ortega turns up and obviously frees their souls. Because it turns out all the ghosts that they've been seeing are actually the spirits of that band that got killed that time so i was thinking at the end it would be like oh maybe he'll do something to the book and like all the food fires will come back to life and they'll just like do like an album or something stupid but yeah it turns out they all stay dead in typical kind of like jam sandwich fashion with the fucking special effects and uh grows the sole survivor and well dave growl should we call him with his dodgy demon voice and his fangs <laughs> oh old um, Richie, his dog's called Dave Growl, isn't it? One of the guys we know. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange ending. I mean, it could have gone on a bit longer. Maybe he could have gone on stage and it could have, there could have been all the other Foo Fighters possessed or it could have been the Dream Widow guys could have been on stage with him, but that would have just dragged it out even longer. So probably best they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could have, like I say, done many things with it. But um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much uh, wraps it up now. So uh Let's give this one some scores. So it was JT's choice. So do you want to take it away, JT? 
Yeah, why not bread roll? So, what have I got to say about this? Well, at last I thought we'd found something that Dave Grohl can't do, which is act. But to be fair, he's actually pretty good in this. I mean, he is playing himself, but annoyingly, he can kind of act. Um, I mean, this is just an excuse to showcase the food, really, but it's actually not a bad film. It's pretty funny and an enjoyable slasher romp in a way. I mean, the story's fucking ridiculous, and the film in general is pretty stupid, but... It is gory, and I did enjoy it more than that totally killer we watched last week, I have to say. Um, very tongue-in-cheek. And I thought the rest of the band were pretty good. I did like Pat Smear. I thought he was hilarious. I'm not sure if he was meant to be, but he was funny. I mean, they're all playing themselves, so fair enough. Um, I mean, there's also something we didn't mention as we went through the synopsis there. There's some questionable product placement in this film, isn't there? Seems to be a lot of Doritos floating around, and um, <laughs> some Jameson's whiskey seems to pop up a few times. I don't know if they um, had anything to do with the budget, but they seem to be certainly prominent in product placement. Um, yeah, all in all, I would probably watch this again just for a chuckle, as it doesn't take itself seriously. It's certainly not half as much as last week's film tried to be a parody of itself. This definitely works a lot better. Um, there's enough gore and comedy moments to make it work. So I'm going straight to the middle with this one, Brad. Well, I'm going to give this three others. I thought it was actually quite funny and quite enjoyable. I would say it probably does help if you're a Foos fan, but I don't think that's essential to enjoy the film. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't wasn't terrible at all for me. Probably better than I thought it was going to be. So I'm going to give it three others. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, very, very respectable. Um, yeah, as I say, this was on our, our watch list when it appeared on Netflix. We... We did know about the movie, as I mentioned at the start, but we stuck on there because we were going to watch it. And then when you said about it, I was like, oh, yeah, perfect opportunity. Um, it didn't really know what to expect. So it could go either way, because as we know, musicians don't really usually make good actors. I mean, those stupid rappers and fucking R&B artists just think they're actors and they're just fucking shit. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect from this. And yeah, they weren't going to win any Oscars and they knew that, but they held the screen and they were quite funny. And I think where this movie succeeded over things like we mentioned Totally Killer which tries to be stylish. Like this movie is very much self-aware. And it's almost, you know, a bit of a love letter to the old slasher movies with the over-the-top gore, kind of evil dead. You know, John Carpenter was in there, so he probably had a steer on things. Obviously, he's famous for doing like Halloween and The Thing and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was actually quite an entertaining movie. I mean, I'm, as I said, not a big fan of the Foo Fighters. I don't know who any of them really are outside of Dave Grohl, but they all kind of like did their part. Um were quite entertaining throughout the movie wasn't too long which was obviously a bit of a godsend because sometimes these movies just don't know when to end do they as we mentioned um it did drag for that last 20 minutes i thought just speaking of endings and not knowing how to finish things it did feel like it was like struggling to find where it wanted to go although it was still funny because the effects were quite amusing with it and the performances were but i did think that it did start to lose me towards the end that's all i'm going to say really but um yeah, I did enjoy the film and I probably would watch it again. I wouldn't go out of my way for it, but it's definitely a movie I would watch if someone recommended it. So, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if to go two or three. I think I'm going to go three because it was good and it was entertaining, which is what you expect in a movie. Um, and it didn't have stay as welcome, but it was nothing overly amazing, if that makes sense. It was just entertaining enough to be a good movie to watch on a Saturday evening. So, yeah, I'm going to give it three others to be fair to it because... It's better than a lot of the shit I've watched recently. So, yeah, three others from me, JT. Good stuff, Petro. I really didn't know where you'd go with this one. I said to Kirsty after I watched it, she fell asleep standard uh, watching it earlier, <laughs> which happens every time we put a film on. Um, and I, after it, I thought, I don't know where he's going to go with this. He's either going to think it was all right, he's going to fucking hate it. I didn't think you'd love it because it's not really a film you can love as such. One thing I will say, and I've got to say there in my final wrap-up, just comparing it again to Totally Killer last week, it's in that kind of same genre. 
this was a lot more authentic. We said Totally Killer was too shiny, too clean. This did have a grimy, gritty feel to it, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It, it felt like a horror movie. Like it, it was, it suited mm-hmm. its setting. Like they, um, everything in Totally Killer just looked HD, which is probably like the highest quality thing of it. But yeah, it was. Um, it definitely looked what it should have looked like. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just one thing I forgot to mention in my final wrap up there. So yeah, I'm I'm happy you gave it three bread roll. I I did quite enjoy it. Um, and as as we both said, I thought because they're playing themselves. I mean, they're not going to win any Oscars, but they played themselves really well, as you'd expect playing yourself. Exactly. They I mean, you can't play yourself. I mean, surely that doesn't take much. Effort. Even I could do that if I was an actor. So I'll just be yourself. I just sort of sit there scratching my eyes and playing the Xbox. Be sorted. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would watch it, Brad. Well, no offense, but yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I won't expect anyone to. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think of this film. If you've seen it, if you're a Foo Fighters fan, or if you're not, um, let us know at the usual places at the Hyperbaric Goats on X and Hyperbaric underscore Goats at uh, on Instagram. Even <laughs> join us next week because oh, I made no. a recovery. <laughs> Didn't even know this film existed, and there's no reason why anyone would know this film existed, but we stumbled across it on Prime, uh, and it's called oh, The Spectrum. <laughs> Bro, did you... Sorry, you broke up there. Did you say The Scrotum? Yeah, it's called The Scrotum. <laughs> this is the film that I said to you last week that I had one to stitch you up with. I've seen this film, and I was going to put it forward as my next one, so you've beaten me to it. Oh, my God, this film. I mean, spoiler alert, guys fucking hell this film i'm not gonna say any more than that i'm so i'm kind of happy and gutted you've chosen it at the same time because i was going to properly stitch you up with it so excellent oh, the scrotum brilliant oh. stuff i don't know what that says about the alg- algorithm that it actually found you and me <laughs> separately and put it forward on one of our lists but yeah i saw one i thought oh my god this is going to take us back to like the fucking killer condom and nostril picker which were some of our first movies we reviewed <laughs> You know, if you want to punish yourself, go back and listen to those episodes. But um, it's only 64 minutes from what I've seen, so at least it'll be shortly of pain, if nothing else. <laughs> Have you not watched it yet, then? No, no, I'm I'm saving it. I didn't even know you'd uh, seen it. I, I, I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, yeah. I, and me and Kirsty watched it a couple of weeks back. She actually didn't fall asleep during this one for some reason. Um, but yeah, we've both seen it. Oh, it was going to be my next choice, but um, I've got something else up my sleeve anyway. But oh, brilliant, mate. This is going to be a good one. Oh, there we go. So join us next week for The Scrotum. And um, as always, put forward any movies that you think we should take a crack at reviewing. And yeah, normal places, just send them in and we'll try and prioritise them if they're available. Thank you for joining us. This is Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Dude has gone fucking crazy. Like ass flapping, dick slapping, one flew over the cuckoo's nest crazy. <laughs>